0: I am fortunate to have two daughters. I raised two daughters. I am married. My spouse is a female. But there is so much I still don't understand about women. And today we are looking at the, not only remembering the International Women's Day, which took place this last Wednesday, March 8th, but also We are focusing upon women because this is Women's Month. So I thought I could sit here and talk to you about my views, or I could truly find someone who understands women far better than I ever will. And so I welcome back Charity Gleason Davis. Hello. How are you?
1: I'm doing pretty. Well. I don't know how much I understand, even as a lesbian. I'm like, mm, I don't know.
0: Well, so let me ask you. Uh, since you opened that door, I'm I'm, I'm going to walk in real quick. <laughs> uh, you mentioned you identify as a as a lesbian. Yes. Did your idea or perception of women change? Have you well? Let me back up. Have you always been a lesbian?
1: I think so, but I didn't know until I was about 35.
0: Okay, so have you been married to a male?
1: Yes, and I have children.
0: So married to a male, married now. Yes. Did your perception of women change when you embraced who you truly are? Did your perception of women change at all?
1: I think it was more of a catalyst of learning more because I had been still kind of stuck in this way I was raised as like super conservative. Women are, you know, subjective to men and things like that. And it just kind of introduced me to a whole other world where I started to like be more educated on women. And so it kind of coincided, but I don't know if one was the cause of the other.
0: What would be the biggest change that from your perception of your view of women that took place?
1: the true realities of the differences in rights um, in treatment um, and just, you know, this idea that women are less than.
0: And you, that's a perfect segue to a quote that appeared in an article entitled, It's International Women's Day. How did women's rights fare this year? In this article in the Washington Post, it has the article, has this paragraph as as its very beginning. As the world marks International Woman, Women's Day on Wednesday, the United Nations has warned the world that the world is 300 years, 300 years away from gender equality with hard-won progress toward the goal vanishing before our eyes. So the idea being that we have seen vast improvements over the centuries. However, they believe now we're seeing it step back, that it's actually diminishing, and it may take another 300 years before we have true gender equality.
1: Well, before the pandemic, it was set at 100 years, and then in April of 2021, it was 186 years. So it's almost doubled in the last two years.
0: And, and COVID was a big part of that.
1: Well, it's tripled if you count before COVID.
0: Yep. The little reading I did in that area talked about that with COVID, women still today tend to be the primary caregivers. Mm-hmm. And so when the children were not able to go to school, a lot of women had to make a choice at that point, either to work at home or quit their jobs and stay at home. And so all of their responsibilities doubled.
1: Not only, well, I don't know that they doubled because women still primarily take care of the home, but
0: now they're teachers,
1: but now they're doing it all at once and there's no separation. There's no, okay, this is work time and this is home time. It's also just like, it's all jumbled up and trying to balance all of it. Whereas men were definitely part of it because they were at home too, but there's this like unspoken, a man's primary job is work and secondary is the children, and a woman's primary job is the family, and secondary is their job away from home.
0: Now, I think you're correct. There's always going to be exceptions to that in, yeah. in every family, oh, yeah. but you're right. The majority of individuals, that seems to be the norm. Yeah. The other thing that was interesting in this article that appeared in the Washington Post is that they mention, they give us three examples, and two of them are countries that are no surprise. You have okay. Iran, which recently there was a violation of a dress code. And because of that, a woman was arrested, beaten, died. There were protests that took place and there were women who were poisoned. And the government is saying that if they ever find out who d- did it, they're going to be harsh punishments. But... And that
1: wasn't the end of it. That was the beginning of it. There are thousands of people that have been arrested, hundreds that have been killed in the protests that have followed that. Yeah.
0: So that would be an example, they would say, of where gender equality is diminishing. Right. Second example they give is Afghanistan. In Afghanistan, when the Taliban took back over control, they came out and said, look, we're going to support women, women's equality. And once it's appeared that the eyes of the world shifted in another direction, it was like, oh, oh no,
1: nope. just kidding. Yeah.
0: Now we can do what we want to do. <laughs> and that involved the idea of education. They had said they would promote education. Now they are limiting education and in some cases preventing it, preventing it. The second one is the dress code. They brought back the veil covering of the whole body so that no skin appears while you're in public. And they even limited the public life of individuals and how much they could be out. I thought one interesting quote that appeared in that article was when they say the UN official warning this week that the group's treatment of women and girls may amount to gender persecution, a crime against humanity.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think Afghanistan is probably what you look at as like the worst. Iran is in this like weird stage where it's really bad, but like there are some things that women can do in Iran, even though so much of it relies on the permission of their parents or their husband. So if their husband is supporting them doing things, then they have a lot of freedom. But if their husband is controlling, then they're not. Um, In Iran, women love sports. They love volleyball. Like that's their like national obsession. Women are not allowed into a sports stadium. Wow. Yet, Um, and then the captain of the Iran soccer team, the women's soccer team. Yeah,
0: because there is a team.
1: So she could play, but when they had to travel internationally, her husband said she couldn't travel and so she couldn't go. Wow. The captain of the team.
0: Wow, I did not know that. Well, the third example they give us in this article is one that I really would appreciate your insights. We have Iran, we have Afghanistan, and they included the United States. And the reason they included that was because of a lack of bodily autonomy because of the overthrowing of Roe versus Wade. Again, the article says the United Nations Human Rights chief has described the ruling as a major setback and a huge blow to women's human rights and gender equality. Now, this is appeared in the Washington Post. Right. Many individuals would say that it is a liberal-leaning news organization. Right. Right? And so to include women's, they could say, well, they, I mean, the United States in this, they're saying, well, that's perhaps an agenda. Their agenda is to support the, to re- restore Roe Ro versus, versus Wade.
1: But the thing is, is if like they use that as the example and kind of the overreaching thing, because it was the big symbolic thing that happened in the past year. They're, they're talking about this year. And um, that was the big thing that really just toppled so much, but there's gender inequality everywhere in the United States. In healthcare, there's gender inequality in the workplace. It's it's rampant, but the problem is it's almost worse than Iran and Afghanistan. And Mm. the reason is, is because like we see this progress in America. Everyone is free and everyone has equal chances and Everyone, you know, inequality is in your head. Everyone has a chance. If you work hard enough, you can do it. And, but the system is set up to make white males like above all. Um, the healthcare safety things women are more likely to die in car crashes because the safety equipment is tested and built for men. Wow. So, like all of these things, like the whole way our country is set up is built around a man. Medications yeah. are built around to work with a man's wait, 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 body wait, wait, and the wait, man's wait. weight.
0: There's one exception to this, and I, I <laughs> want to share that with you okay. and see your response. I have a friend who's an oncologist, okay. and he said, if you're going to get cancer, the ideal cancer to get is breast cancer because it's sexy. And there's a ton of money in research when it comes to breast cancer because it's breasts. We all love breasts. (laughs) Whereas with men, prostate cancer, it's not sexy. It's not something that people are... Well, first of all, you can't see the prostate, but people are not as interested and so therefore the amount of money in the research so what i find fascinating with this is it's almost as if we will value women when it comes to their breasts because men like them
1: yep absolutely wow men want to save the body of the woman and a breast makes her sexy and better on their eyes and better on their hands. And so they are willing to throw money at saving it. That and what would they do without their wife doing all the work at home? <laughs>
0: <laughs> so if if what you just said, they want to save the body, why are they then supporting the overthrow? Not all, well, I, I'll back up. The majority of Americans do not support the overthrow of Roe versus Wade. Correct. But there's a group of individuals, including men. So if they really wanted to protect a woman's body, you would think that they, these minority would go, yeah, it's important to protect a woman's body.
1: Um, that minority thinks it's important to control a woman's body.
0: Explain a little bit more. Can you build on that?
1: If a woman, say a 20-year-old, 20 22, she's in college... She gets pregnant and she cannot have an abortion. Mm -hmm. She now falls under the control of other people because she is less likely to be able to find a job that will support her and her child exclusively. She is more likely to need um, care either from a spouse, a boyfriend, a parent, um, the state, anything, she's more likely to need support in order to survive. Whereas if she did not have to have that child, she could finish college, go on and become successful as an individual. Whereas men would not be able to control her under that.
0: Hmm. There is an article on the internet entitled 10 Causes of Gender Inequality. They consist of the top Ten are, number one, uneven access to education. Number two, lack of employment equality. Number three, job segregation. Number four, lack of legal protections. Number five, lack of bodily autonomy. Number six, poor medical care. Number seven, lack of religious freedom. Number eight, lack of political representation. Number nine, racism. And number 10, societal mindsets. Of those 10... We're going to come back and look at what are the top two when it comes to concerns in America, not perhaps throughout the whole world, but in America. And then we, Charity and I will share with you what we personally see as the top two causes of gender inequality, and we'll do that right after this break. Okay, Charity, what do you see as the main challenges in America when it comes to the causes of gender inequality? What do you see as the top two?
1: My top two were poor medical care and social, societal mindsets.
0: Interesting. My top two were education and bodily autonomy. So, I mean, the bodily autonomy, we've already talked about. That goes into reproductive rights and things like that. Right. Why did you not choose bodily autonomy and instead chose medical care?
1: I think it could be included in it. Okay. But...
0: So you want a bigger umbrella.
1: But even if we had body autonomy and we take ourselves to the doctor, Mm -hmm. we are less likely to be cared for.
0: You know, I, I was talking a few months ago with a woman who said she did not like to go to a doctor because the care that she gets when she's and how she's treated by some male doctors when she's alone versus when her spouse, her husband is with her is different. And in fact, the spouse will often talk to her husband rather than to her.
1: Oh, I don't go to the doctor with my spouse. Um, so the word hysteria has its root in the Greek term for uterus. Wow. And it seems that like that is still kind of the thing. People think that women are being emotional when they have physical problems. They are far more likely to have autoimmune disorders, which don't present as physical symptoms. Necess- I mean, they're physical, but they're not... Tangible, they're not quantifiable, and so they're being seen as hysterical, emotional, um, weak. You know, you don't have the pain tolerance to handle this. You, um, so they're less likely to be treated. They're more often dismissed, and we can add racism into every single one of these. Yeah. Racism like doubles. On all, at least doubles on almost every single one of these causes, if you are a black woman, you are far more likely to die in childbirth. You are far more likely to be discriminated against in the workplace. You are far more likely to be in areas where you don't have the equal equal access to things.
0: Yeah, and lack of preventative care. Yeah, yeah definitely. So what I find fascinating is many individuals will look at and we again we're just talking to Americans. So there are Americans who would look at this and say, No, that isn't true. Women don't have <laughs> but it's limited it can't it's limited to their socioeconomic status and those that they associate with. If that's if you're a professional and the majority of people that you know and interact with are other professionals. Then, yeah, women who are in a higher socioeconomic status don't have as great a challenges as a woman who, like you said, is something other than white and is either middle class or especially lower class, the poor.
1: Right, but Harvard Medical School reports that on average women with abdominal pain can expect to wait at least 65 minutes in emergency rooms before treated, being treated, whereas men only wait 49. And not. women often will not be treated or seen by doctors at all.
0: <laughs> so here's my take on that. Um, and again, having raised two women and <laughs> being married to a woman, I think I would disagree with, from my position is, I think men have a tendency to whine more, and therefore it's like, hey, we got to get them out. There's of There's a these.
1: reason they call the cold the man flu. Like,
0: <laughs> we got to get, <laughs> we got to get these men out of here. They're driving us crazy. <laughs> well, what about the women? Well, they're really quiet and they they don't bug us as much, so we'll make them wait.
1: Well, I read a story this week about Bendy Irwin. Who's that? Uh, Steve Irwin's daughter. Oh yeah, yeah. She's married and has a child, and she recently. Went public about a surgery um, around her endometriosis. Um, it was a my, my guess is a, it was a hysterectomy. She didn't really go into a lot of details, but she had been seeking to be treated for years and years and years, and said that she was in so much pain. And they dismissed her and were like, "It's just a it's just cramps. Like she's just weak. She's just whatever." When they went in and had surgery, they took out so much. Mm that they were like, how did you live like this? She's like, I've been trying to tell you. And so women are not, they're just dismissed as not being able to handle the pain. That and seven women are seven times more likely to be misdiagnosed and discharged from the hospital when they're having a heart attack because there is not studies into how women have heart attacks as much as how men have heart attacks. And
0: the number is growing. That's what yeah. I find fascinating is the amount of women who are suffering heart attacks is is on the rise. And the other one that I find interesting is that women today are more likely to have an affair than men. And I again, see. you wonder if that has anything at all to do with gender inequality. Is it a way of reclaiming your own identity and your own personhood? If you're in an in a oppressive marriage... How how do you, and you're being treated like crap.
1: I can see that, especially if you're in a marriage where the financial disparity is very high and you're required to rely on the man uh, for your financial well-being or just even basic care.
0: Yeah, and, and to go along with that is even if both individuals are working, there's still the disparity in the wage gap between the two. Oh, yeah, definitely. And so, again, you have this idea that the man is making more. Therefore, as you mentioned, his job is more important. And so her sense of identity, her sense of self-worth could take a knock because not only of the difference, of she's doing a job that's she's paid less because she's a woman and... She also, as you pointed out, has all the responsibilities. And during COVID, not only were these women still having to work in their professional career, as you pointed out, their own housework, but then they became teachers.
1: Yep. And not only that, but you just add on the pure, just the thought process that has to go through balancing that.
0: Mm. Like the stress of,
1: of just figuring it all out. Yeah. Yeah. So the, the, another
0: article that we're going to put online, you'll see it in the show notes, it's entitled 10 Ways to Promote Gender Equality in Daily Life. Charity, give me, out of those top 10 that you looked at, because I shared the article with you, what do you see as, the, we're just going to limit it to one, the number one way, in your opinion, to promote equality? What would you say it is?
1: I chose the share household chores of childcare equally.
0: Really, out of all of those,
1: 10, out of all of them, you
0: chose that one.
1: I did have uh, sexual harassment zero tolerance, also, okay, because that translates into the workplace. But in the household, it's it's everyone's responsibility, right? But the women take the load of figuring it all out. So mental labor, um, women take on more of the mental labor. So a man will be like, "Just let me know what you need done." Mm. A woman is the one that knows how much groceries there are, what do we need to get, when the kid's doctor's appointments are, when the kid's school is, when, um, when things are due, when his doctor's appointments are, when he has to go to work. Um, this is just like this all this mental labor. I, um, I was sharing with you a little bit earlier, not that long ago, within the last couple of months, I basically like completely lost my mind. And like c- shut down and had a weekend where I just barely could function. I have four adults in my household, 18, <laughs> 19, and then us in our 40s. Yeah, Like we are four adults. Yeah, And yet everyone, if I ask them, yeah, I'll do it. I'll do it. But I was like, hey, can you take out the trash? Hey, the weeds need to be done. Hey, the dishes need to be in. Hey, can you walk my, the floors? Hey, can you vacuum? Can you, hey, can you take that, you know, bet to this? Can you, you know, where do we, you know, we have four drivers and three cars. So how do we get this person to that place? It's all me coordinating. I also have a full-time job and they all have jobs, but yet I'm still the one that's making sure everything got done. And my brain just said, nope, Hmm. we're done.
0: Now, again, I find it fascinating. Well, again, let me clarify before I come back to that. Let me clarify This is what you just described, and what is in the article. That is not. There are exceptions to that. There are. There are exceptions where there are stay-at-home husbands. They are the ones who are doing all of this mental uh, juggling of of life in the home. But they're not the majority.
1: They are nowhere near the majority. And the thing is, is why I pick this as the most important. Is yes, that's in the home, but that mental load. You think that that didn't affect my work? You think that that didn't, when Your I add that stuff, life. when, yeah, my relationships with friends, the where I get my support because I was so taxed, I didn't yeah. even have the energy to reach out for help. Yeah. And then I was also managing to do So our productivity, my productivity went way down because I'm so much having to focus on this. You hear about, who is it? Steve Jobs, who only wears jeans and a black shirt. And he has like a whole closet of the same thing because his He uses that brain power that I use to find a cute outfit to do more Steve Jobs, Apple things, you know, and he's seen as this brilliant mind, yet a woman is having to do all of this other stuff and have to be productive at work and then told that they are not as good at what they do and they don't make as much money because they are also managing all of these other things that men only go to work and manage their work of course they like are clear at work.
0: I'm going to give you the last word. Oh no. What are you going to, what would you say to those that are listening right now? What would you say to them when it comes to gender equality and not only in America, but worldwide, what can they do today to help bring about gender equality? What would you tell them?
1: I think equality in any form always requires the more, often use the word oppressor. I'm not finding the right word, but in this case, the males. It takes the person that has the upper hand to hand over some of that. It takes the man saying, hey, I, um, I vacuumed. Hey, I got laundry in. Hey, um, I'm going to the grocery store. I've already checked what's there. Um, It also means like, hey, in the boardroom, she was speaking. Let her speak. It takes the men stopping the other men. It takes, you know, women, we're getting to the point now, it was always like we only had one seat at the table and we were taught to fight each other for that seat. Mm. And now this next generation, I love it. They're like, no, we're just going to kick them all out together. (laughs) There's more of us. We're going to empower ourselves and we're just going to take over the whole table. And it's great to see it. Uh, But in my generation, we were taught there was only one seat and she is your enemy, not you. And now we're starting to see, no, it's the men that have to give it up. It's the men that have to step forward for their women. It's the men that have to give it up in order to bring that equality. We're never going to get it on our own.
0: And that means setting aside the continual message that is coming from men and being able to set that aside and not hear it and do what is right for women. Charity, thank you so much for joining me today. You're welcome. I greatly appreciate Thanks your Thanks for having insights. me back. Yeah, we'll do this again. For those of you watching, we thank you also for participating by sending us your emails. We really appreciate those of you who like, if you're wherever platform you're watching this or listening to this, we appreciate you hitting that like button. We appreciate you sharing this with other people because here at Mind the Year, we truly believe that when we stop and reflect on ideas, when we stop and ask questions, and even just the question why, we learn how to ask questions more effectively. And when we learn how to ask questions more effectively, we learn more about ourselves, our world, and our fellow human being. So whatever you're doing out there today, take care of yourself, and we look forward to seeing you next time. Bye for now.